Library was the thing they had to go to when they were in school, which they did under duress against their will when they had to finish a paper. And they don't hang out there. But for anyone who actually spends time in libraries, it, it makes sense. Our whole purpose is freedom of information. That is what a library means. So it's a given that we would be, that we would skew liberal. There are exceptions, but they're few. They are few. They are much more in the minority in a library than in almost any other industry I can think of. More, more of a minority than in theater and burlesque, which is also part of my life, I would say. It's even more of a given that a librarian is going to be liberal and have strong feelings about it. It's, it's our job. Future Now is the best program in the whole city. A lot of times when the kids come from Rikers, they have a very unique attachment to us because we met them inside. Then when they come here, they become like family. We went there, we basically met them where they were at that moment. And usually that's like one of the tough moments in their lives, but we were there for them. So when they come out, they feel like, you know, not even my family does this for me, but Future Now came in, gave me maybe a letter for the judge saying that I will go to the program. Then they come to the program here. And the thing is that here we don't differentiate between a regular student with no criminal background whatsoever and a student that has some criminal background. They don't even know about each other. Um, they just know their, you know, each other's names and that they go to class together. But when they come in, they kind of integrate into the population. But I always think that everything that Judson has in worship service, you know, all the, the, the justice initiatives that we have, all of the artists that we have and the art that happens in this building, it's all coming from this place of like, all we want is authenticity. All we want is for us to have a place where we're saying like, why the fuck are we here? Like, why, what are we doing? What is this all for? And if I can say, why the fuck are we here? And I'm the minister, it puts, a, it puts them a little at ease knowing that, that we can do that. I don't say that from the pulpit that often. But I still think that that's what a church service should be. Every church service, I feel like hopefully we are asking the question like, why the fuck are we here and what is what is this? Why, why did we come back here at 11 a.m. on Sunday? Um, and and I actively watch artists change when they're when they're allowed into a space that feels sacred, sometimes feels dangerous, you know, based on whatever past they have with, with religion. But when we kind of like help them through and, not, and don't hold their hand, but, but sort of say like, no, 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 no. All we are asking of you is the thing that you're bursting to get out of you. That's all we want. I actually watch transformation happen. The biggest thing that, that we have going on now is our Everyone is Welcome campaign, which launched last Wednesday. And it sort of had a soft launch right after the first immigration ban as a way to demonstrate how Queens Library stands by our immigrant communities and, and by all our communities. And we did a, you know, a press event downstairs to really reiterate that. And one of the things that the Queens Library is known really internationally for is our services to immigrant communities and, and our services, you know, in languages other than English. So as such a trusted member of the community and, and having worked with immigrant populations for so long, it was a good thing. We're not, libraries aren't always that explicitly political, for lack of a better word, and I think there, you know, there's been a lot of discussion within librarianship about addressing some of the issues, the political issues that are going on right now. So, you know, that we took a really strong stance in support of our immigrant communities is something that I'm really proud of. I see no reason, personally, why we need to feign neutrality when, when science and intellectualism and public education and freedom of thought and expression are so clearly under assault. I don't care remotely about Republican and Democrat. I don't think Democrats are the solution to all our ills by any means, but I don't, I, libraries are not neutral. These are just a few of the stories of the quiet radicals that help our communities maintain access to information, basic human rights, and to cultural experiences. Often when we think of or hear about so-called radicals, the image that strikes us is a reflection of what we see in the mass media. More often than not, the people who are making the most social change in our communities are not talked about. 
It is the belief of the story of that from the beginning of recorded history that some of the most radical members of our society are the information keepers, librarians, members of religious institutions, and teachers. In this episode, we meet with several individuals who are working to uplift their communities through the preservation and distribution of information and services. My name is Ashley Lake, and this is the story of the quiet radicals of New York City. At, around the country, um, libraries are a place where people who are experiencing homelessness spend a lot of their time, as libraries are pretty much the only open, free public space that's left and that's indoors. Um, they've become you know, a real gathering place for people who don't have stable housing or who are in temporary housing. I started working on things related to homelessness kind of weirdly indirectly. Um, I was working at the Brooklyn Public Library about 12 years or so ago and was doing outreach to teens in juvenile detention. And out of that came sort of a larger project around how libraries can serve youth and families that were in transition um, in lots of different ways. So detention, incarceration, homelessness and temporary housing, foster care and placement and those sorts of things. And as things, as my career evolved, as I came back to Queens Library, the area that kind of resonated most with me and that I stuck with was the homeless shelter outreach. So working with our family shelters primarily. So we have really good partnerships now with the Department of Homeless Services and Breaking Ground, which is the organization that does street outreach. I'm Tigger, also known in the library world as James Ferguson, but James Tigger Ferguson, if it's on a theater program or film credit. And I am an actor, dancer, stripper, librarian in order of appearance in my life. Actor for all my life. Lots and lots of movement theater led to dance pieces. And then I started creating kind of strip performance art that after a while people said, oh, that's burlesque. And I was one of the ground floor of the burlesque renaissance of performers here in New York for 25 years or so now. And for 22 years, I've worked at a library. So in various capacities and departments, you know, I have been the person charging the overdue fines and maybe twice in 22 years have I shushed. It's really not a primary job, but you know, cataloger, archivist, assorted things. So that's me. I'm Micah Busey, I'm the associate minister at Judson Memorial Church. My office is like half child's playroom, half theologian study, it probably is more child's playroom. I, I love to surround myself with color. I love fake paper flowers. I love unicorns. I love glitter. And I love to kind of juxtapose my, my spiritual life with my artistic creative life and surround myself with like the art that I love. So I got David Bowie. I got Dolly Parton. I've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then they're right next to my portraits of Oscar Romero, Dorothy Day, and Harvey Milk, you know, as my, my spiritual guides. I'm Vicki Torelli. I'm the director of Children and Youth Programs and Services for the Queens Public Library. Um, we're in my office in Jamaica, Queens, which is our central library building. but. I and my team are responsible for all of these services to children and youth throughout the Borough of Queens at our 62 libraries and our teen library in Far Rockaway. We also are responsible for two universal pre-K programs, one that's in the Ravenswood Public Housing in the Long Island City area and one that is in our Woodhaven Library. I have a team of six full-time staff, so we do summer reading, we do summer meals. Our teen services does Battle of the Bands every year, which is really neat. It's the third year, I think. And then we do all of, we support our librarian staff in with training and development. We're very fortunate over the last two years to have hired a lot of new staff after hiring for you, so we've been working really hard um, because a lot of the librarians are brand new. They're right out of library school. This may be their first job, so really supporting them in how to best serve their kids and families. Like I said, we have 62 libraries in Queens. There is, they say that there is a library within walking distance of every resident in the borough of Queens, which is sometimes it's a longish walk, but it's getting there. So let me introduce myself first. So my name is Hippolyto Rosario. Um, I'm 30 years old, and I'm actually a graduate from Future Now. Right now, I have the title coordinator, but I'm also a math teacher. I provide math instruction at Future Now. This is the thing though, Future Now is not about titles. That's another thing. You know, everybody wears like five hats. You know, I do data, reports, anything that needs to get done to move forward. The good thing about many of us is that because we went from being a student, then transitioning to sometime part-time and then maybe full-time, overtime, you can see the entire program from A through Z. And a lot of people um, say, oh, I'm going to the GD program at Future Now. 
but it's really more like a college program or a career program because we always, from orientation day, so when they finish the high school equivalency diploma, we always tell them, this is just a tool that you're going to use to go to college, get into a certificate program, get into the army or any branch, like, you know, it can be the Air Force, anything you want, but it's only a tool that you will, that you will use to get to the next level. The Future Now has been here, I think, since 1999. The college program has been going on since 2008. It is our job to be active, to be educated and to be active. That is our job in the world as human beings, is to make it better for other human beings, to open doors in whatever way we do that, whether it's you know through, your, through work, through arts, through anything, as a, as a person on a day-to-day -day basis, we should be opening doors for people and we should be trying to make the world better because progress, as current events show us, progress is not fucking inevitable. There is, there is no guarantees of any freedoms or rights or comforts. And unless you are fighting to move it forward, it will move back. And I, I think it is unethical to just sit back and reap the benefits of the activism of others and not putting your own shoulder to the wheel. I think that is crucial. That's number one. And number two, a library is a freaking excellent place to get started. Because if you're going to do effective work, you have to know what you're up against. You have to understand what the problems are, what the issues are, like you have to formulate some kinds of strategies. You need to like learn some shit. So a library is a perfect place to go to. And it's worth knowing that, as I've said, librarians tend to be on your side if you're, you know, fighting for freedom. That That is our job. That's inherent in our job. Cleans is looking right now at doing our sort of more pop-up makerspaces. We've had a real strong focus, especially with our youth services on STEM programming over the last, oh, 10 years. And the Children's Library Discovery Center, which is downstairs in this building, which is the Children's Library, was envisioned and built and created with that science, technology, engineering, and math focus. So you'll see science museum quality exhibits in the space. There's Saturday, we do um, Saturday Science, and there's, you know, 100 kids show up for that. So there's a lot of programming that takes place there, and then that's sort of spread out. And then one of my favorite releases for I must, I must have been doing it for at least 15 years now, something somewhere in there, more than 12 for sure, was when there was a whole committee formed for displays and exhibits. And we just have various vitrines, windows, display cases, things throughout the library. So fill them. And the first one, I, the attraction to me for that is one, aesthetics, because me and my people, a, a certain kind of gay people, really care about making things look nice. So the aesthetics was lovely and putting together a, you know, a display and I care about that, arranging. Uh, but the other was politics. It was a, ch you know, a chance to do that. So my first display right away was about censorship of books. And I immediately like got a bunch of caution tape to put around the entire display case and had every book in it. I had like brown paper, like the old disc like scene literature like sent you in plain brown paper. So every book I collected over the years, all the various banned books, and had them like wrapped up in brown paper and like torn away so you could get a glimpse of the title and had some of the reviews of what they said, you know, Satanist, perverted, and you know, all the stuff like that was like like stamped all over the brown paper. That was my first step into that. And since then, displays have included the last one I just did, Wonder Women came up. Uh, as a completely superficial thing about this Wonder Woman movie coming up and, you know, another person who was like, oh, that'd be great. And I was like, yeah, okay, a movie. Uh, and we do have graphic novels and students, you know, there's a lot of illustration and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it fits our curriculum to have a lot of graphic novels and a collection of comic books and things like that that students are actually studying and working on. But at the time, we were all thinking we were about to have a woman president. So I said, what about if it's not about Wonder Woman, but Wonder Women? And we extend it to all kinds of women in charge, women in control, women in the driver's seat. And like, let's do a broad range. And immediately, right away, we're just talking. It's like, oh my gosh, we have the documentary about Shirley Chisholm. And it's like, oh yeah, Ida B. Wells. And you know, we just like, it's easy to like spin off and onto tons of people. So it became a collection of that. That's always highlighting what we have in our collection, but I can choose ways to highlight things that 
put forth a kind of a message. You know, and even for a central image, we found an artist had done a more realistically represented Wonder Woman. She had like powerful thighs and she had like human hips and like arms with some meat on them and all this stuff like that. So like that was the central image and then all around it was everyone ranging from Maya Angelou to Sojourner Truth to Hillary Clinton to Louise Bourgeois or Frida Kahlo or Malala or you know, whatever, and on and on, there's countless, but just to put that all out there. Other focus that will come up next month, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of, of CCS, which is the Clergy Consultative Service, which back before Roe v. Wade, which hopefully will still be in existence and won't be demolished. But, you know, we're, as we celebrate this 50th anniversary, we're, you know, we're, we're preparing. If the CCS needs to exist again, it will. And the CCS was back before Roe v. Wade when abortion was illegal. Um, this church joined with other churches and clergy people basically in kind of an underground railroad situation where they were finding safe abortions for women who needed them and giving them spiritual accompaniment to the abortion that wasn't trying to talk them out of it. And, and so I'd say like that's probably the third thing in, in this this trio that we're, you know, right now we've sort of got the protection there, but it's clearly a contentious issue specifically, you know, to, to religious people. But I think that Judson has always been in this mode of, yes, we do the legislative work, we try to make change, uh, systemic change, but we also were a church. So there's a charity aspect and there's just an accompaniment aspect. Um, and so there's always those two levels to, to everything that we do. And since November, we've just kind of like kicked back into that mode. And the bright side of being terrified for us is that we have the tools, we have the tradition to just kick into survival and accompaniment mode. And it's it's oddly exhilarating, you know, while being terrifying. Program that we started last month where um, we have folks from the Department of Homeless Services come in and did a coffee and conversation thing, which was a huge hit. And they were talking to people about, you know, any, any questions they had about housing or all kinds of stuff. This street here has quite a few shelters, both family shelters and shelters for single or like adult couples. So we've been meeting within the concerned citizens who had some issues about behavior problems that they were attributing to people living in the shelters. And what's come out of it in the last couple of months, which is really amazing, is Jamaica's centered support for the shelter providers and the, the residents who were living in the shelter. So it went from something that was really negative and all about kind of correcting behaviors to like, okay, how do we support you and supporting your clients so that everybody's happy and, and we're all sort of being part of a community. A lot of times at Kissing Rikers, people think that they're there for some like crazy crime uh, where, you know, they like they, they just named them, that's why I never call them criminals or, or inmates. I call them students all the time. Why? It's because many of them, first of all, they're waiting for a trial, so that means that they can still be innocent. The other thing is that the crimes sometimes are not serious. I have one student who peed on the park. That's it. He was in Central Park. He needed to go to the restroom. That's what happened. He was, I think, 16 when that happened. And he got, he got arrested that, that day. Something happened, I think it was a weekend, he went to Rikers Island, something happened on the island. Now he did more time, like eight, eight more months for no reason, right? Now that, could it be handled differently? Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about a 16 year old, we're not talking about somebody who's 40 or, you know, 40. Or someone that, I will say a lot of times the kids, even 19, 20, they still are not, mentally prepared to handle what an adult life is. There will always, always be powers trying to oppress and trying to put things over us. And you have to always be able, you have to learn what's happening. And, you know, if you have any kind of creative artistic bent, flip the script, satirize it, respond to it, react, express, you know, what you're going through, at least share it. You know, without, without creative artistic, share as a human, a person to person, what you're going through. That's, that's essential to survival. There's, there's a reason why people are doing that, you know. Um, I mean, no matter what we're going through, we are still going through this together. And it's essential to share it and, and to try to maintain some quality of life and, and values. 
That's all for today. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for your generous support in our efforts to continue to start conversations so that you can keep them rolling. If you like what you've been hearing, please head on over to our Patreon page to make your donation. Head on over to patreon.com slash story of. This is the story of. May all that I think, may all that I say, and may all that I do be in harmony with thee. God within me, God beyond me, maker of the trees. Amen.